Jewish audio on Chabad.org. Rambam Mishnah Torah, Hilchis Maaser Sheni, Veneter Avoy, the laws of the second tithe and the produce of the fourth year. One of the halachas in Torah is that when a Jew plants a tree, three years it is called orla, prohibited, closed off to him. And in the fourth year it becomes neteravoya, the produce of the fourth year. And today we begin learning those laws. Aleph, neteravoya, the produce of the fourth year. Hareyhu Kodesh, it is holy. Shenemar, as it says, Uvashono Horavis, and in year four, in the first three years, it's forbidden. In year four, Yihye Kolpirye Kedesh Hilulim Lashem, all of its produce shall be holy and should be eaten, Hilulim Lashem, as an act of praising Hashem. Dedicated to Hashem. Now this is interesting. It's eaten as an act of praising Hashem. It's eaten by the owner as a mitzvah, as an act of holiness. How do we correlate those two details, those two aspects? V'dinei, it's halacha is, l'heochel b'yirushalayim livolov. Very similar to the second tithe. It is eaten in Jerusalem only by its owners. It's not given to a Kohen or a Levi or a widow or an orphan. The owner eats it in a state of sanctity in Jerusalem. Kim Meister Sheni. You want to know the application of the laws of the produce of the fourth year called Netaravaya, identical to the laws of Meister Sheni. Which is why these laws are called Hilchas Meister Sheni Vin That's why they're lumped together. Furthermore, just as we learned that in a country very close to Israel, called Syria, Syria, there is no Maiser Sheni because it's not Israel. So also, the fourth year produce laws were never instituted in the adjacent country called Syria. Even though we learned, we learned earlier that there is a different application in some periods in Egypt and Babylon and so on. Furthermore, it's interesting that unlike most of these agricultural Torah laws, Netaravoya has no specific details in the Torah. So how do we know? The Pasik says, Vish es Kadoshov Lo Yiyu. There's a very uh, mystical verse. It says, Each man, his holy objects belong to him. And Rashi and all the commentaries give many explanations to what this verse means. Here, for the purposes of our teaching, the verse refers to Netaravoya. The Ish as Kadoshov, every man, his holy objects, you should be enjoyed by the person himself. 
We have nothing that's considered holy, which was not spelled out detail by detail in the Torah. For anyone, with the exception of this fourth year produce. So we know the fourth year produce, the verse tells us, Kodesh Hilulim, it is holy food which is eaten for praising Hashem. So we take the Kodesh Kadoshov and say, Lo Yiyu, it's eaten as one's own personal enjoyment, like my Sashani. And therefore, Beis, Haretza Libdes Netirabaya, similar to the laws of my Sashani, if a person is concerned that the produce will not survive, it's going to decay, it's going to rot. So he can redeem it for money. How does he do it? Identical to the laws of my Sashani. You want to know how? We just spent uh, the first eight chapters finding out how. And similar to my Sashani, if he redeems it for himself, he adds a fifth. And similar to Maeser Shani, we don't redeem it until it's come to the period of Maeser, which means it has to have grown at least a third of its size, of its full size. To add to the produce, it has to be called produce. You can't call something produce until it has matured at least one third. Furthermore, like Maeser Shani, you don't Redeem it while it's still attached to the ground. It has to first be severed, or let's use a farming word, harvested. Like my sashani, and like my sashani, it is the, the money of the one on high of God Almighty. Therefore, just like my sashani, it cannot be acquired through gifting. You can't gift somebody. Maeser Shani or Netaravaya. Why? Because it's not yours to give as a gift. We learned earlier there are certain scenarios where you can gift it only as part of the Maeser Shani process or here as part of the Netaravaya process. You can't enjoy being a gift giver with God's money. Elim Kane Nasani The only exception would be unless it was given while it was in a, in a state of not being ripe. And again, the commentaries grapple what the Rambam means here. Because if it's not ripe, then it's not even in the lexicon of Maishashini and Netaravaya. It hasn't grown a third. And if it's grown a third, whether it's ripe or not, it's already in Maishashini. So there's a debate and there's a whole note here. Okay, the commentaries discuss this. And the law of Netaravaya, fourth year produce. In other aspects, eating it, drinking it, redeeming it, identical to the laws of Miser. Now, what about a vineyard of the fourth year? Now we know that a vineyard is produce. Vineyards have the application of Maishashani. But what about a fourth year vineyard where you have to take the produce of the entire year, entire annual season? 
How do you do this? So he says you actually have two choices. One choice is you can do it while it's in a state of grapes. So you can bring the grapes to Jerusalem and eat the grapes. You can munch on the grapes. Or you can process it and make wine and bring the wine to Jerusalem. Why is that? You can't process oranges into orange juice because grapes are all about wine. <coughs> Pre-Hagofen is wine. And so also, I'm just wishing our producer here long life. And now he's walking out on me just when I needed him the most. So also olives. Olives are made for olive oil. But other fruits, it's not appropriate to change them from their natural state so that if you have cranberries, don't make cranberry juice unless you add vodka to it. Or the vineyard of the fourth year, meaning the entire bulk of the produce is holy, and therefore, you have no application of all the agricultural charitable laws, such as forgetting, and the corners, and the fallen grapes, and so on and so forth, and the small clusters, which ordinarily have to be given to the poor, here, DNA does not apply. Similarly speaking, there's no setting aside the 2% to the Kohen, or Mises, or the 10% to the Levi. Just as Mises Shani doesn't have any of these poor person's gifts. The whole fourth year produce is brought up to Jerusalem. A, or Niftet's redeemed and transferred into money. And the money should be brought up. And should be consumed. Birushalayim in Jerusalem. Kim Maser, like Maser Sheni. Hey, Anovim Shokerem Revoya, grapes of the fourth year produce. Hiskinu Bezn, the sages instituted, they made a rabbinic ordinance. That if you have grapes and you're less than a day travel, you know, people didn't, I don't know if you realize this, but the Rambam was before Elal. So people did not have jets. How did they get to Jerusalem? They took their ox cart, they walked, their donkey, their horse. If they were a day away or less, our sages instituted that people should bring their grapes to Jerusalem. Mahalach yayim l'choltzat, kidei la'ater, shuke Yerushalayim bepeides. In order to beautify the markets of Jerusalem with fruit. And some background to this. The problem that the people that Jerusalem was facing is because of the holy temple requirements of wine libation, pouring wine on the altar, 
There was a tremendous demand for wine in Jerusalem. So that you went to the market, you went to uh, Gelson's or Ralph's, or even the Persian market, and you're looking for grapes. Those are three choices we have here amongst many. And you're looking for grapes. There are no grapes in the market. Why? Because <laughs> there's more demand than supply. So what's going to happen if someone's going to have grapes of the fourth year and he's going to bring the money to Jerusalem? It's not going to help anybody. But if he brings grapes to Jerusalem, it will help flood the, gra- the market with grapes. So the commentaries want to know, how is that going to help? This is holy food, and the market is regular food. The, the answer is, when there's more grapes, there's more grapes. Now, then there'll be less demand to purchase grapes with the money. So this was simply to help beautify the market so that there is a choice of a type of produce that was very much in demand. That's the understanding that I have of uh, item number five, of, of paragraph five. Okay. Once the holy temple is destroyed, then this application, this whole ordinance has no logic because the demand for wine has gone down. So you can redeem grapes even outside the wall of Jerusalem. We learned earlier that in the laws of Maeser Sheni, Maeser Sheni can be redeemed as long as it's outside the city. Once it's in the city, produce cannot be redeemed. So the law applies the same to the grapes. But all other produce, even during the time of the Holy Temple, may be redeemed as long as somebody is still outside the wall, albeit really close to the wall. We learn many scenarios where there's a house that's half in the wall and half... You're right outside the wall, you can still do it. Now the question is, how do we redeem the produce of the fourth year? You know, Meiser Sheni is 10% of the produce. After you give away 12%, two to the Kohen and 10 to the Levi. But Netarivoya is a whole year of produce. It's a tremendous amount of produce. So one should first evaluate the size of the container that he's using so that he should know what size it is and what is the average of its contents. And then you evaluate using the currency of a seller how much of this a person would want to redeem. For a seller because bear in mind that if you're outside Jerusalem, you're in some city far away, you'd have to spend money, the expenses of guards to make sure nobody steals your and donkeys to transport the and employees to work the transport. So the question is, Bearing in mind all of these expenses of security, transportation, and labor, how much you get for a seller? What's it worth? So you take and attach it to the size of the produce. So now you know that this particular container 
is worth so much and so much money. Then you multiply it by the amount of containers. You set aside the money, and you say, Everything gathered from this orchard is redeemed. The holiness is transferred upon these funds by the rate of so many and so many baskets per silver coin. So that's the system of redemption. You do an estimation of the container size, you establish a price for the container, and then you say, how many containers? That's in regular years. There's a problem, what happens when the fourth year hits, and the sabbatical year. So what's the deal with the sabbatical year? It's very challenging. Because on the one hand, the sabbatical year Produce can be taken by anybody. You're not allowed to privatize your farm, your vineyard. It has to be open to everybody. On the other hand, people need to be told, this is holy food. You can't take this food and eat it unless you eat it in a state of holiness in Jerusalem. So in the sabbatical year, he has to redeem it for its value What's its value? There are no security guards in the sabbatical year. There are no workers in the sabbatical year. And if it was open to the public, which it should be, all you have is the wages you want to pay somebody to gather that which is public. In fact, he says in Zion, somebody who had produce of the fourth year in the universal sabbatical year, where everyone is equal, Pasqual, everyone has equal access. The problem is that he needs to mark it with mounds of earth in order that everybody should recognize that this is special, they shouldn't eat from it until they redeem it. Not the best produce for somebody who's looking for free produce. I mean, actually, I mean, it, it's his produce anyway, because his redemption money is spent on himself in Jerusalem. So, again, the challenge to the farmer is that when the fourth year comes out in the sabbatical year, he has to make sure the word gets out that it's holy produce. What if it was in the forbidden years, the first three years, then it's more serious. Because it's forbidden, forbidden, forbidden. Then he has to mark it with baked clay markers, much more serious form of marking. In order that all the pickers should just leave it alone because it's forbidden. To eat and forbidden to have benefit from. If they just marked it with mounds of earth, maybe the mounds of earth will be crushed and come apart. The prohibition of Orla of the first three years is a very serious prohibition. It is forbidden to benefit from. There are very few things in Torah which are forbidden to benefit from, not only to eat. 
What's an example of something forbidden to benefit from? In addition to orla, basar b'cholah, milk and meat, chametz on Pesach. But non-kosher food, you can benefit from. You could sell it to a non-Jew. You can give it to a dog. You could do whatever you want with it. You're just not allowed to eat it. And therefore, because of the seriousness of this transgression, the more meticulously observant people would set aside funds in the sabbatical year the and they would say, regarding their three-year forbidden produce, Orla, Kolha Nilkot, or actually with regard to Neter Revoya, Kolha Nilkot, Mipedas Revoya Elu. I made a mistake. Not Orla. Orla is forbidden. With regard to the fourth-year produce, anything gathered from the fourth-year produce, Elu, these produce, Mechulal, is now redeemed automatically, on these funds, now, this, as the commentaries explain, presents a tremendous challenge. Why? Because we have a bunch of opposing factors here. Number one, the meticulously observant guy is interested that in the sabbatical year, those who crash his farm do not violate the net of law. So he puts mounds of earth, but he's concerned that they won't see or won't care about the mounds of earth. So they know they have to redeem it. What if they don't? Therefore, what he does is he takes a pile of money, puts it in a bank account, or puts it in a drawer, or puts it in a chest, and says, this pile of money will be the redemption funds of everything everybody harvests from this public food. Now, what's the problem? Why doesn't he just do it in advance? He can't do it in advance because you can't redeem attached food. The problem with doing it later is you can't redeem something somebody else's food. It's not yours to redeem. So I guess the trick would be to have the redemption take place in the millisecond. <laughs> so that's the challenge. You know, either it works or it doesn't work, but it's a good idea. Okay. Eight. Segwaying. Two, when? What are the times? How do we determine years? So we learned earlier that the new year for vegetation is Rosh Hashanah. We learned that. The new year for trees is Tu Bishmat, the 15th of Shvat. If you're growing any type of vegetation, grains, vegetables, and so on, the new year is Rosh Hashanah. If you're growing trees, the new year is the 15th of Shvat. Now, as it relates to Orla and Netarevoya, the question is how we count years. There's in, in our world, there's something called a fiscal year. A fiscal year means for the purpose of this, this is the year. In general, in general, Tishrei 1, which is Rosh Hashanah, is the new year relating to the countings of Orla and the countings of fourth year produce. Okay, so now I know that Rosh Hashanah is the beginning of the year. But what's considered produce? When do we start counting produce as produce? 
Is it from the time I thought about planting it? From the time I planted it? From the time the planting took hold? From the time it grows? From the time it's harvested? So he says, Mishas Netiyah, the moment of when we begin to count is when you plant it. Which we're going to qualify in a moment. However, it doesn't work from Rosh Hashanah to Rosh Hashanah. Ella, which means it doesn't have to be in the ground for a whole year. It's like when you, run a, when you want to register a child in school. The school will tell you, what is my cutoff when the kid becomes five? You know, my cutoff is whatever it is the school wants. November, December. Which means, you're talking about a five-year-old, but there is a cutoff date. So what is the cutoff date? How do we count years? It's not from Rosh Hashanah. Like in a school, it's not from September. It's from an arbitrary date. That has logic. In the case of Orla and Netanyahu, as long as you have 30 days of a year, it's a year. However, this is the however I alluded to before, where he qualifies this. It has to first take root. You can't plant it 30 days before Rosh Hashanah and say, okay, it's a year. Very nice. So how long does it take to take root? In general, when it comes to trees, how long does it take for a tree to take root? If we had to generalize, it's two weeks. 14 days. So therefore, 30 days, which is the minimum of a year to count a year, and 14 days is 44 days. So we conclude, therefore we learn that if somebody plants a sapling, a tree, 44 days before Rosh Hashanah, then it's already a year. Year one is gone when it gets to Rosh Hashanah. Nevertheless, there's another complication. These fruits do not leave the Orla category, and once you get into the fourth year, when does it become, when is it, when does it segue from Orla to Netarevaya? You have to wait until the new year for trees if you're talking about trees, which is another three, four months later. Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev, Tevis, Shvat, Kislev, Rosh Hashanah, Tishrei, Cheshvan, Kislev, Tevis, Shvat. Five and a half months later. Because that's the new year for trees. Okay. Shehu, Rosh Hashanah, Lilonis. So therefore... It has to be in the ground 44 days before Rosh Hashanah. But the year is not counted for trees until Tu B'Shvat. now here he's going to give you an example. What is 45 days before Rosh Hashanah? Tu B'Av, 
the 15th of Av is one day more than 44 days. So it's an interesting date. Somebody plants an edible fruit tree on the 15th of Av. Now, in order to identify years, instead of the Rambam giving us number years, he's telling us, use the, the use this sabbatical year cycle. Mishnas Asiris Bayevo. This is the tenth year of the previous sabbatical cycle. So, it's still within the three-year forbidden period. Until the 15th of Shvat of year 13. So you have, it's planted more than 44 days before Rosh Hashanah. So you have year 10 of the Yovel cycle is the first year. Year 11 of the Yovel cycle is the second year. Year 12 of the Yovel cycle is the third year, but it's a tree. So the fiscal year of trees doesn't end until the 15th of Shvat of the 13th year. So it's another five, six months. And whatever the tree will have produced during this period from the 15th above of the 10th year until the 15th of Shvat. Of the thirteenth year, Harehu Orla is Orla, forbidden food. Why? Again, the new year for trees is later. Even though they are ready quickly. Okay, so that's the Orla definition. What about the Netter Devoya, the fourth year? The fourth year is from the fiscal year mark of the fifteenth of Shvat. Of year 13, until the 15th of Shvat from the 14th year. Who Netarevoya is Netarevoya? Now it's interesting that the 14th year happens to be another sabbatical year. And anything it produces during this period, is Netarevoya, it needs to be redeemed. And the money needs to be taken and enjoyed in Jerusalem. And if it was a leap year, then the leap year benefits the produce of Orla or It's included in its year. Now he says, the next scenario, what if he missed it by a day? He planted it, not the 15th of which would give it 44 days in the ground. But he did it the 16th above, one day late. As we say, a day late and a dollar short. He loses that 10th year. Because he didn't have the 44 days, he only had 43 days. Because between the 16th above and Rosh Hashanah, you're missing a day. We talked earlier, it has to be 30 days in the ground and 14 days of rooting. Of, 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 of becoming... Solid of, of being rooted in the ground. Because you missed it by a day, you have to count another year. So now you have years 11, 12, and 13. And it doesn't kick in until fourth year produce, until the 14th year of Chamishosabishvat. One day caused you to lose a year. 
Now here's an exception to the rule. Yud Beis not on a Tiemeresh Chedesh Tishrei. At Chamishosa Bishvat. The exception to the rule is that if he planted it from the first of Tishrei, not the fifteenth or sixteenth above, but he planted it on Rosh Hashanah. Again, you're not allowed to plant things on Rosh Hashanah. We're being hypothetical. At Chamishosa Bishvat between the first day of Tishrei. What if? His non-Jewish worker planted it, even though he shouldn't have done it, but he did it. Until the 15th of Shabbat. Here, in this exception, the application is that being that it's in the period between Tishrei and the 15th of Shabbat, you count three years to the day. An absolute calendar for Orla. You count You count the fourth year also from date to date. So that is a special law for someone who plants between the first of Tishrei and the fifteenth of Shvat, even though other commentaries, such as Derivit and others, argue that it should be from Tubishvat. But the Rambam seems to suggest, no, it's from the day. Says the Rambam, I have seen many writings of many Torah scholars with regard to this subject. And I'm not too impressed with them. And it's not appropriate for me to go into long details and to respond. Surely they have erred. You want to know what the truth? The truth was already said here. So the Rambam took a very strong position. Yud moving right along to the next subject in this closing paragraph. Heolin valulovim umekfanim viasmodar. Leaves, blossoms, sap, fruit buds. Vihoanovim shesrofam hakodim vihipsidom. Or grapes that were devastated by the west wind and ruined. Viacharzanim vihazagin vihatmod shalohem. As well as grape seeds, grape peels, water mixed with grape with grape dregs, the peels of pomegranates, their flowers, I'm sorry, no, I'm sorry. Right, let me do this again. The first few items, which are leaves, blossom, sap, and fruit, buds, are permitted with regard to the laws of Orla and Revaya, the answer is, why are they permitted? Because they're not food. Because leaves and blossoms and sap and fruit buds are not considered food, and Orla is food. However, I just simply skipped a couple words earlier. However, but grapes that were devastated by the west wind and ruined, they are food. They just ruined food. And grape seeds and grape peels, or the water mixed with grape dregs, the peels of pomegranates, and their flowers, and the seeds, the shells of nuts, and seeds within them. 
Asur and Ba'orla, these are all food. They are forbidden as it relates to the laws of the forbidden produce of the first three years, which are very severe, as we learned earlier, because they're even forbidden to benefit from. However, in the less severe laws of the fourth year, they are permitted as fourth year produce because it's a much more liberal prohibition. Fruit that falls and withers from the tree are forbidden in all instances. Why? Because it's food, it's produce. End of chapter 9.